Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 544 of the milk bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. Coming up on the show, Susie Quattro is going to be talking us through her new album, taking a few tracks from that, and her brand new single. That's on the way. Also, we'll be hearing from wildlife cameraman Doug Allen. He has got a show telling everybody about his 35 years in the business. They all started out by chance, meeting up with David Attenborough, finding out more from him ahead of his show in Stafford at the weekend. We'll be finding out about a fund from the lottery, which means you and your community group could be getting a £1,000 grant to improve community spirits. That's coming up. We'll be finding out about the film Into the Mirror, writer and star James Bacon joining us on the line for a bit of a chat about that one. And we'll be talking more about that in the coming weeks because there's a local lad who plays the young version of Daniel in the film. So that's on the way. With History Boys with us in February, I've met up with some more of the cast. But first of all, Brits spend more than a quarter of the year faffing with three in five agreeing life isn't necessarily complicated these days. Somebody who I'm sure tries to simplify the world around her is a TV personality and new mum, Fern McCann. Good afternoon. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? I'm very well. I'm not faffing as we speak, I can assure you. Are you a faffer though? Do you like a faff? Oh, I'm such a faffer. (laughs) I really am. Like, I love to kind of, like, just even simple tasks, like getting out of the front door. Or if I've got a job to do, I will, like, distract myself and find random things in the cupboard and be like, oh, yeah, let's let's give this a go. I like paint my nails. Um, I'm such a procrastinator, so yeah, I'm top faffer. But I mean, the, the, I like the year report that says 18 through 34 year olds uh, spend as much as 20 minutes a day sitting on their bed, staring into space before they get up. So, are they setting their alarms early so they can faff? <laughs> this one really shocked me and made me laugh because I don't actually do that. I don't have the time with having a two year old, but yeah. it is crazy that they just kind of. Just sit there, take 24 minutes just to kind of, uh, 20 to 24 minutes just to kind of sit on their bed and mindlessly do nothing. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's just mental, isn't it? It is. It's a complete waste of time. Now, I mean, Talk Talk TV, you've done the research, find we've got to fritter away almost four hours a day with unnecessary things. Uh, we, we could be watching TV. I mean, that, that that's not faffing. That's actually quite, quite more fun, isn't it? We could be watching you on TV. <laughs> Definitely, I would strongly suggest that that is not faffing. <laughs> I mean, for me, um, when I'm doing like my day-to-day jobs, I like to have the TV on in the background. But yeah, like I love, it's a luxury at the end of the day to sit down and watch my favourite shows. I wouldn't say that's faffing at all. But it is scary, like the four hours a day, just what you could get done. I'm always saying, oh, if only there were more hours in the day. Mm-hmm. But 100%, like one of my favourite things to do, I am a bit of a TV head. So I do like to sit down of an evening and, and watch some good TV. And the whole point of Talk Talk TV is you've got everything on one platform, which is kind of perfect for me and my lifestyle because I'm I'm so busy. You know, as I said, I've got a two-year-old, life's pretty hectic, filming my reality TV show, so the fact that I've got everything on one platform, I'm not fussing, looking for 
one of my multiple remotes, which that, I haven't yeah. got anymore. I've just got the one. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Talk Talk TV. Um, yeah, it's perfect. Anything to simplify my life. Now, do you, do you think reality TV should contain more or less faffing? I mean, uh, in, in Terry's days, I mean, was the faffing going on there? Oh, my. You would not... Well, it was a lot of faffing whilst filming it. Um, it was long hours, and sometimes I used to think, can we not just get it done? And, yeah, I mean, sometimes I watch the show and I think, oh, they're doing a, they're doing a little bit of faffing and they're, <laughs> they're talking about um, a load of nonsense. I don't know. I'm not sure into that. But... Um, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, in faff seems to be our, our word of the day today. So uh, uh, any, any other top tips to avoid faffing, apart from bringing children into the world who take up uh, that entire time in your life? <laughs> so I recently done a really cool video with Talk Talk TV sharing my top tips on how to save time. So one of the really cool ones that I loved is the Ninja Fold. Mm. So it sounds really aggressive, but it's actually really good for saving time. Having a baby, I do lots of washing and lot, lots of laundry, and it's a really cool way to, to fold your clothes really quickly. So check out that video. Okay, tips um, online. I do a lot of voice notes as well. Uh, this sounds quite lazy, but, you know, like stuffing writing a text message it just takes too much time so i like a cheeky voice note wham bam thank you ma'am and it uh, saves a lot of time there as well okay but we can find all these details online where do we go to to find out more all you need to do is search talk talk tv and fiber and you can find out all the details there check it all out and find out what's going on well new mum tv personality and i think now self-confessed tv addict as well for mccann thank you for joining us Thank you for having me. In a moment, Sue's time, we'll be hearing from Susie Quattro. But before we do, this is her brand new single. You don't know What you put me through It's been hell Trying to talk to you Lies are weak So it's truth I'll speak Under your spell On the line, Susie Quattro, who joins me on the line now. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very well. I trust we find you well. 
Yeah, fine, thank you. How did you like the song? I absolutely love it. And uh, we've heard so many slight tweaks and changes in your sound over the years, but with so many albums under the belt and so much great music and so many people loving what you do, uh, to, to, you know, to do something that's a little bit different can sometimes seem, you know, how will the fan base react? But they're going to absolutely love this song, aren't they? Yeah, it's just, it's just, we've, it's, it's so strange how it happened. Um, it comes off the album uh, No Control, which came out in March that I wrote and produced with my son. But this track, I wrote and produced myself, and it originally was just on the vinyl as a bonus unplugged track, mm-hmm. as these things happen. And we started to do it live at the end of the show, and people were going ballistic. So the record company said, would you re-record it? Um, and make it, you know, not just an unplugged track on the vinyl, but something more. So now it's like a big production, but it goes from unplugged to plugged and back to unplugged again. And it's making people... Um, it When I do this live, you can hear a pin drop. Yeah. With the performance and, and the song behind it, how did you come to, to write this track? What was it that, that made this special for you? Um, well, when we were working, my son and I, on the songs for the album... And, you know, we're going, throwing ideas back and forth and da-da-da-da-da. And I was sitting in the front room in the house, and I said, come here, I want to show you something. And I was just plucking the guitar. I'm not a good guitar player. I'm not a failed guitar player. I'm a bass player. Mm -hmm. So I played just well enough to to write on. And I was playing this song. And I said, now, I hear this and this. And he said, no, 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 no. It's beautiful as it is, (laughs) just as it is. So we treated it unplugged. But like I said, it just had its own... It had its own um, energy, and and it had to be redone to become this now. So it's just it's going such a storm. It it actually ends the show, which is unusual for a ballad. And unusual for a, a, a new song as well. With the all back catalogue, there are so many songs people absolutely have to hear, and so many that with such. I mean, how many albums is it now? Is it something like ten, fifteen, something crazy like that? It's it, when I do my my uh, two hour show. You get the entire. If you go through my whole catalog, I have such a, a wide variety of things. And indeed, this album that this track is part of is is um, the, the 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 critics were mainly talking about how varied it is. It's all me. It all sounds like me, but I do have a a lot wider uh, musical expertise than what people realize until they see me live. I mean, I play classical piano. I play drums. I play bass. I write a lot of stuff, you know, so uh, they, they get a little bit of a surprise. And have you been writing for other people as well that we maybe just haven't cottoned on to? I'm, I'm writing all the time. In fact, a lot of my songs in America right now being placed for the different TV shows. Um, I have written with a lot of people. Um, I'm just now finishing, when I get back from Spain, uh, the album I, I started with KT Tunstall about a year ago, mm-hmm. year and a half ago, and since we're both busy, it's impossible to get us both together, and finally, we're finishing it off just when I get back from Spain. We got uh, one day at the house to write one more track, which makes it 10, and then we're going to finish it off in the studio the next four days. I love writing songs. It's one of my favorite things. I can imagine, but I think it's because people also love listening to them, and that's certainly something uh, which I, I, I'm, I'm currently waiting for my copy of the album as well, so I can enjoy that too. Uh, because as I say, picking up this new track, absolutely brilliant stuff. But even 
the 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 yeah the stuff that we constantly hear on the radio going back to what the 70s can the can devil gate drive all of these songs still have an absolutely brilliant meaning and 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 a life which has gone way beyond what i suppose you could ever expected when you were first recording these um i i, I think i think the genuine stuff lasts uh, i think the genuine artists last i mean if i was manufactured i believe really, i really still i wouldn't be around now but i'm mm. not I've always tried to stick true to who and what I am. In fact, I'm a, you know, I'm a real stickler on it. The album is called No Control because nobody can control me. So, um, but yeah, I, th- I think the good stuff does stay. And, and there was, I'm real proud of a lot of those songs. You know, uh, things like Devil Gate Drive is a classic. Things like If You Can't Give Me Love, mm-hmm. it's one of the evergreens. You know, um, but the album No Control, I think is, is probably with the first one, one of my best products because it. It was done with my sons. It was done with a very modern attitude, but with his, his in his head, who I am. That's what made this so different. He had it in his head. This is who you are. So it was a real interesting exercise. And what message have you got going into uh, the release of the single, and of course, I mean the, the, everything that follows with uh, you know, getting out on the road and sharing this music. Well, the the, the single that's out now, hard out of the line. It's it's just I, I don't want to say what it's about because it's so personal. But mm-hmm. obviously, obviously, anybody that hears that knows it's personal. You know, knows it's personal. And what it's saying basically is, uh, whenever you're in a a sad situation, most of the time it's your own heart that's on the line, not the other person's. Yours, and that's what I'm saying here. It's my heart on the line, not yours. I'm the one that's hurting. I'm the one that's put the heart out there, and I'm the one that's hurting. It's it, it, it's it's beautiful for the Christmas time. Yeah, I'd say it is an absolutely beautiful song, uh, a fantastic ballad, and maybe for people who aren't as familiar with your music, they're not as aware that you'll do this sort of thing. Uh, but uh, say for the for the fans who've been with you for a number of decades now, you know they've they've you know they've grown up with you, grown up with the music, and they you know are still listening to both the classics and the new stuff alongside each other and loving each moment. And uh, yeah, it must be great when you you are performing live to to hear people singing your songs back to you. Oh, it's fantastic. It's fantastic. And I do have quite a wide range now because, especially with the internet, you know, I mean, uh, youngsters even, they have access to everything. I like I like it when I when I see them singing the new stuff, you know, that really thrills me. Uh, and I love it when I hear them singing the old stuff. And I'm 55 years in the business now, and uh, I think I've done about 85 or 90 gigs this year so far. Well, I've seen on uh, yeah, biographies of you the, the age that's showing up there. That's certainly not the way you act. Certainly not uh, how uh, your music comes across. And with the album No Control uh, that's out now, and of course the release on the 6th of December of Heart on the Line, it's going to be uh, another great uh, end of end of a year into a brand new one. And uh, what can we expect from you uh, on the road in 2020? Have you got a busy one as well planned? Yeah, oh, God, yeah. I've got... Um... I've just come back from Australia, uh, so in four weeks I had one day off. That was because you know I got my documentary out now to Susie Q, mm-hmm. which is playing all over the UK, um, and that that's been just getting ridiculous rave reviews everywhere. It, it's ridiculous. People are loving the documentary because it's real. 
Mm-hmm. It, it tells the story warts and all. So I've been promoting that, been promoting the album, been doing all the gigs. I've now got 10 coming up in Germany in December, finishing the album with KT. It's, it's nuts. <laughs> My life is nuts. <laughs> well, you can, you can find out about your life at suzyquattro.com. Uh, do you do social media as well, or can we find you on Instagram? Uh, yeah, there is. I'm on everything. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, any artist has to be on all the social media. You haven't got a choice. And it means you can share probably those moments when you are on tour and, and the, yeah, the, sure. the, the brief days off that you I get. I stay in touch with everybody. <laughs> We're going to take one more tune from you now. What would you like us to play? Anything at all from your back catalogue or the current album? Your choice. I like very much the, the first thing that came off the album because it's, it's... Somebody asked me the other day during an interview, have you ever, have you ever written a song that is exactly you, that you would say is exactly you. And I would say this one because it's my character. Wrote it with my son, it was his riff. It's the first, it was the first single off the No Control album called No Soul, No Control. And if you listen to the words, you'll know that's me. <laughs> we will do exactly that now. Susie Quattro, thank you for joining okay. us. Thank you so much. If you think I'm wrong, if you think I'm right, gotta play it strong, gotta put up a fight. Fantastic stuff from Susie Quattro there. We'll be hearing more samples of her brand new album as we head through the show. When the History Boys opens at Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre on the 7th of February, two of the cast who are more senior in years will be having a great time with their parts. I can say that even though they're still quite young themselves. We're based around the kids at school. We have Mrs Lintot, aka Victoria. Hello to you. Hello, hello. Nice to meet you. And we have a supply teacher, Erwin, played by Lee. How are you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? All good here. So uh, let's explore a little bit about your characters to begin with, because uh, in your time at the school, you've been around for a little while, and uh, and you you know the ropes of the place. I do. I'm on the verge of retiring, I think. Mm -hmm. You're nowhere near old enough to do that. (laughs) Not even in the ages when the retirement age was lower. (laughs) Anyway, uh, she's a a traditional teacher. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the, the facts, the truth matters to my character uh-huh. and she's not starry-eyed about going to Oxford or Cambridge or for her education is education yeah. and it doesn't matter whether you go to an ivy clad college or <laughs> you know as long as the, 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 you're learning the stuff mm-hmm. so part of the play looks at different teaching styles we're at a time though when it was still O levels and uh, and CSEs yes. and the less able kids would have been doing city and guilds so it's a, it's a very different educational world than the one that the actual actors who are playing this will have been through themselves I was reading something that Alan Bennett said and even when he wrote the play it was slightly out of date. Yeah, well, he did. It was in the early 2000s, wasn't it? This first went to Yes, stage. yes. And people said to him, no, but they don't do that at Oxford and Cambridge anymore. It's not like when you were there. <laughs> and actually, he thought, well, I don't care. 
Mm-hmm. It, that's not the point. Yeah. It, the point is the, the relationship between the people and the, well, the play. Yeah. And uh, in your teaching role, obviously, you get young upstarts turn up into the teaching world. And uh, in Erwin's in case, he's uh, arrived as a supply teacher. Yeah, but he's there to kind of just uh, navigate these boys through the next stage of their their kind of education, which uh, ideally for the head teacher, he wants as many boys from the school as possible to get into Oxford and Cambridge. Mm-hmm. And Erwin is there to take the knowledge that they've learned, twist it in such a way so he can get the boys to wangle their way into Oxford and Cambridge and kind of cheat the system in mm-hmm. a little sort of way. So there's entry exams as well as grades which count for things uh, at this time. We don't have a point scoring system on, on the A-levels the boys will be taking. No. It is purely the simple grades. So yeah. from an education point of view, it is that you know, energy that's got to be put into to them to get them to, to do what they need to do to get there. But as teachers, you get to see a whole cross-section of what's going on with their social world as well. And uh, this is going to be interesting to to act because, again, we've only ever been on the receiving end mostly of of, of teachers keeping an eye on us and telling us what to do and not to do. And and then you've got to put yourself into that mindset and sort of take over the the, the controlling influence on these lives in many ways. And you playing the younger character on this, you'll be obviously much close to their ages. And that, that must be an interesting one for your role in, in, a, in a temptation to interact with him in a more laddish way, I suppose. It is, and because he is, uh, this is one of his kind of first in, in interactions with any kind of student body as a teacher, so he's finding his way, who, who is he as a teacher, as a young adult, and the boys don't make it easy for Owen, mm. and that's what's quite interesting, so he's trying to navigate how to respond to them and, and, and teach them in the way that he needds to, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, you, uh, do you get to rule with a rod of iron? Are you looking forward to that? <laughs> no, definitely. <laughs> but I won't. I don't rule with a rod of iron. I think I'm quite fair, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think I've got so yeah. much experience that I can help this one as well. Mm, yeah. Because I say, you know, there are temptations as a teacher that they, you want to let them know you're human, but no, you, that's not your role. <laughs> it's sort of like um, parents who want to be friends with their kids. Yeah. No, that's not their role. They are parents. Mm-hmm. You have to take that lead. You have to take that responsibility. Mm-hmm. It is a home theatre production for you guys, and we know that the team at the Grand can do an absolutely brilliant job of putting on a show. This must be quite exciting for you both to be involved in, in, in this too. So uh, you've obviously all worked in the theatre before, and you've worked you know, in a theatre which is producing it, but when you're so close to the audience and, and, and knowing what the theatre's looking for, it must be an exciting project to work on. Definitely. It's, and the theatre is so beautiful, mm-hmm. and, and the acoustics are good. I... I I walked in and thought, oh gosh, this is rather big. But the acoustic it, it is great. It's going to s- still feel quite intimate, mm-hmm. I hope. Yeah. And everybody's been so nice. They are a lovely team. Yeah. And I mean, looking forward to it as well. Oh, 100%. I mean, I'm a Midlands boy. So mm-hmm. just to be able to be in a kind of a local theatre that's producing really top quality work. And that's, you know, the, the, the team at the theatre, uh, not just with this, but over the next few years, they're really wanting to make the grand uh, a place for fantastic locally produced theatre yeah. it's just I feel so proud to be part yes, of that really. yeah. Yeah. It, 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 fantastic and so we've, we've seen what they can do already and we yeah. know it's going to be yet another brilliant production this time around yeah. and you say yeah, is it Cradley Heath yeah. I lived in Cradley Heath yeah. yeah and I'm from Nottingham originally so mm-hmm. it's just brilliant just to be working in the middle because so much of what you do as an actor is London based or yeah. Manchester and so it's so lovely to have something great like this in Wolverhampton mm-hmm. yeah. 
Well, say so we look very much looking forward to the production. It is Wolverhampton's Grand Theatre from the 7th through to the 22nd of February. 01902 429212 is the box office number. Grandtheatre.co.uk to get your tickets. Come along and see the team in History Boys. Have a great time, break a leg, and we look forward to seeing the show. Released in selected cinemas and online of Into the Mirror on the 22nd of November. It's a story which Jamie Bacon has written and stars in. To tell us more, he's on the line now. Hello, sir. Hey, how you doing? All good here. I trust we find you well? Yes, good. Yeah, very well, thank you. And must be excited for the release of this one because of both having written it and star as Dan. You've got uh, a lot of work and, and uh, love you put into this. Yeah, no, completely. It's, um, yeah, it's been a really, really kind of crazy rollercoaster in terms of helping kind of produce it as well as write the project um we started it five five years ago now so it's been a kind of a long journey to get where it has done now and obviously being an independent film um it's a lot harder to try and get these things made uh mainly because of budget and things so we've had um yeah incredible support and um and from its release in in the states we've had an incredible response which has just been very overwhelming now, you had just an hour to tell this tale, or just over. So give me a, a bit of your background to your character, first of all. Yeah, so, um, so so we meet Daniel at the point in his life where he's just moved to London uh, and he's just starting a new job. And prior to this, he, his mother's passed away. And uh, and he, he's throughout his, his, his younger life, he's been suppressing these feelings. Um, his mother kind of understood him and kind of had these, uh, these feelings towards... Um, being and dressing like like a woman or a girl, and um, it was kind of a thing that wasn't wasn't ignored with his mother, but his, his father kind of never knew how to deal with it. Um, and with his mother's passing, his father's really suppressed Daniel and made him kind of that that, that whole idea of his identity. Is that he's never been able to really kind of come out of his shell because his dad's really suppressed it. And so he's uh, yeah at this point he's away from his father to London and um, and then he he meets this his colleague at work Blue, who um, by daytime she's working in the office and by evening she works at this club called Lost and Found and um, and the club itself is kind of the symbol of uh, it's a place where you can go and lose all your inhibitions and, and be who you want to be and, and being set in London and being in London very diverse and having an incredible open and big LGBT community. Daniel kind of um, his eyes widen to to a, to a different kind of world and hit for himself, and he can feel like he can slowly kind of come to him true, come to his true self. But you see him through his journey, and and everything is new. I mean, even from the the look of him when he's you know first heading through London on the underground train, his his outfit's new, his coat looks pristine. You know, it is that sort of freshness that then sort of moves yeah. to the story, and you, and you, you get taken that taken away from him as you tell the tale. 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of, um, yeah, he's, he's like a puppy in terms of like everything is new to him. And it's kind of, and, and he's a very vulnerable character in terms of as well. Like he's, and because of his vulnerability, he's, uh, his boss, Harry, uh, played by John Saxville, kind of preys on this. And that becomes another challenge for Daniel and uh, moving to London and kind of having that, that, that burden of this boss who kind of preys on that kind of really kind of breaks Daniel down. But then obviously has the release by this lovely, uh, fresh eyed blue who kind of, nurtures him and introduces him to this uh this wonderful uh, mother character called uh jennifer played by charles streeter who's who's the drag queen of, and runs lost and found and when you were writing this and obviously then going into production did you imagine you were writing this for yourself or did you just become to know the character so well only you could play it yeah well no no so i, I kind of just i, I mean I, I, was, I was freshly out of drama school and um you know the, the opportunities weren't really there for, for for myself and for my colleague as well, Charles. And we was like, we we really wanted to write something, and we always were coming up with ideas. And then I I just finished watching this documentary um, about this uh, this this Welsh this Welsh girl who, who was transgender and about her journey, and, and that kind of really opened my eyes to this this whole world. And and from that I um I was I was, I was and then I kind of jotted some notes down, and then I was actually listening to a piece of music a couple of months later, and that really inspired me, and I kind of started writing this story about this character and uh, and yeah no I, I never really saw myself playing I just really I, I kind of I, 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 before that we, thought, oh, we really want to make a film together and then when I kind of had this idea and then it kind of just grew and, and then yeah like you said like I got so close to the character and I, I kind of got to understand the character and then by, um, and then I started meeting people in the community and I got to know this this, this girl called Tallulah Eve who um, who's actually in the film as well and who her story is incredibly brave, and she 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 went from this transition, and she's transgender, and um and yeah, and then I kind of and we we ended up just yeah getting to the point where we were ready to shoot the film. When it comes down to you know, the the end of the story, I mean, do you feel that you may well be open to learn more about these characters ahead through their lives, or, or how yeah, how do you think you can yeah expand? I think yeah, initially when we wrote when we were writing something about this subject, we really wanted to kind of have a story that was told in a, in a very beautiful way, and also to have a really strong message. And um, and I think the subject just needs to be talked about more and, and understood. And hopefully the story educates people. And and from that the the idea was um, so the, the the start of the film is very is very naturalistic. It's very mundane. It's very Daniel's going to work. We get we set up the film. And then there's this huge transition where Daniel kind of finally gets the confidence and kind of feels like he can come to come to that uh, that 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 point in his life where he he can make this transition and that's all done with this scene in front of a mirror, um, and and then from that yeah Daniel ends up going to the club and then everyone has to watch the film for the end part of it. But I think the most important thing about the film is um, there wasn't really we we didn't want strong labels with the characters. We wanted it to be left open to interpretation and people's um, own ideas of, of where Daniel's going to go and who Daniel is. You know, I think it's I think that was important to to let people make up that decision. That that, that decision. And do you think Daniel's allowed you to learn something else about yourself? Completely. I, I think. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, this 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 whole um, the whole thing about um, people going through these transitions and, think, and about identity and about myself and how I've identified myself and. Throughout my life, I've kind of—I remember when I was younger, and I was doing um, acting and dance and things. I remember I, I wouldn't tell my friends I was doing it because I felt like they would bully me or they would—they they would, they would, they would say funny things about my identity and who I am because 
I was doing something that was a little bit different maybe to what maybe maybe the boys were doing at the time. You know, I think that for myself, it's kind of just being just being who you want to be. And I think it's really important to just have the bravery and just be like, no, this is me. This is what I'm doing. And this is what I want to be. And just not letting society like steer you in a direction that's not actually true to yourself, you know. I think that's really something that stuck with me. And I think... Um, we should learn from that. Well, not only this, but we've also got several other projects which we can see you in during 2020. So you're an actor very much in demand. So I think this is going to be a symbol of yeah, a great part of your career. Uh, yeah, going forward, you're probably going to be telling a lot of other people's tales. Yeah, no, completely. And and, and even with this one, it's, I mean, it, it, obviously we wrote the film, but it, 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 it's someone else's story in terms of mm. it, that there's people who are going through this transition, who are going through situation so it's always important to and I think for myself as an actor I want to I want to tell stories that are important that are poignant and and send a really important message and um, and I think this film does that and and and, and some of the other projects that I'm working on as well are, are really are really the same I think that's something I want I want to carry on doing as an actor just kind of make change and help people and also just tell really beautiful stories well, Into the Mirror premieres in the UK on the 22nd of November, available on Amazon Prime Video and iTunes as well. But do look out for it. With the quality of production that we've got here, this deserves to be seen on a, an absolutely massive screen, doesn't it? Yeah, no, completely. I mean, obviously, it, it was a very, very uh, tight budget and we, 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 we put a, a, a lot of work into it, so... It's um, and and because of uh, the music as well, it, it really drives the film. Johnny Jewell, who's uh, composed uh, uh, scores for Drive, Bronson, Twin Peaks, that really elevates the film and helps it with its independence feel to it, and obviously the budget, and that really drives the story. And I think it's on the screen. Yeah, I mean it's yeah, it's amazing to watch this on the film on on, on big screen. Well, whether you're watching on the massive screen in the corner you're in via Amazon Prime or iTunes, or as you say, in selected cinemas, it is well worth checking out. Into the Mirror, uh, available to view now. Jamie Bacon, thank you for joining us. No, thank you so much for having me on and speaking. really appreciate it. You don't have to be so lonely You to read.
<laughs> on Sunday, the 1st of December at the Stafford Gatehouse, Wild Images, Wildlife is the show which Doug Allen is bringing to their stage. You will have seen hour upon hour of his wonderful wildlife footage. He joins me on the line now to tell me more. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. How are we doing? We're doing very well. We're doing very well. We're actually feeling a little bit chilly just now. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's gotten cold down here in Bristol, so but, I had to put on I had to put on more than a t-shirt today. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, but come on, you have spent so much of your time in Antarctica <laughs> filming penguins, uh, and I've got the right end of the world for that one, haven't I? Uh, and, Good man. Uh, so you know, but uh, you can't cope with a bit of uh, a chilly breeze in Bristol. That worries me slightly. But, uh, fingers crossed, we keep it nice and warm for you in Stafford when you arrive. But well, what sort of thing can we expect from the show? Because with thirty-five years' experience, you've probably got quite a lot to tell. Well, I, I like to I like to describe the show simply as if you're one of these people who enjoys these ten minute diary pieces at the end of the main show, then my two hour show involves a lot of those in different places with different adventures, so to speak. And so we mix in you know information about the animals, but also a lot of behind the scenes stories. So um, I like to think that there's lots of interest and then lots of questions at the end. Because the questions at the end can be can be a good fun part of it as well. <laughs> but with with the work that you've done, though, I mean, you you get to be part of a, a great team producing footage from all over the world. So when you see a final show, thirty seconds of footage may have taken three months to get. Well, that's true. Um, you know, we do need to be patient, although <laughs> that that can make the difference between you know big budgets allow you lots of time in the field and that's what you need because we're going after sometimes things which are difficult they're difficult because they're rare they may not occur very often the animals they may themselves be rare um it may be very seasonal you know so we don't just sail off anywhere looking for what we're looking for whatever we can find we we normally go very much you know with something specific in mind that we want to film but yeah like you say it's um sometimes you don't come back with it i mean i spent 11 weeks for planet earth i've spent 11 weeks looking for snow leopards in ladakh and i only <laughs> actually had a snow leopard in front of me for one hour in 11 weeks and um 50 minutes of that one hour it was asleep so that's not exactly award-winning stuff but on the other hand when you do get something special like the one that i always remember or will always remember um those killer whales washing seals off ice floes by making a wave with their tail. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a remarkable piece of behaviour. We went down looking for it, and it was actually the third time that I had tried to go for it. The previous two had been unsuccessful. But that final that final attempt that we made, that final shoot for Frozen Planet, that was remarkable because we saw several attacks over several days, and when I think back on it, on the other hand, it was very, very lucky because one of the things we discovered um, with the scientists who were working with us, they discovered that these killer whales can spend half of their life um, feeding on seals in the Antarctic and then half of the year they'll be away up north, 2,000 miles north off the coast of Brazil, slowly digesting the seals that they've been eating in the Antarctic. So they seem to spend about a month in Brazil <laughs> and then a month in the Antarctic. So if you choose the wrong month, your animals that you want are going to be a long, long way away. Have you ever then got footage of an animal you weren't expecting to that turned out to be brilliant footage, even though you're looking for something else? <clears throat> it would be rare to film something completely 
um, you know, unexpected. But for example, in Blue Planet 2, I know that, um, you remember that wonderful sequence in the first program, which had the, the giant Travali actually jumping out of the water to try and catch birds yeah. that were flying above. Well, <clears throat> that sequence, they only discovered that sequence. They were out uh, on, they were out looking for something else and they were doing okay with the other shoot. And then someone said to them, have you heard about the fish, you know, taking the birds uh, down a couple of bays away? And, and they said, no, we haven't heard of that. And then they spoke to another fisherman who was able to show them the spot. And they saw it. And they got something of it the first year. But um, it was so spectacular, it was worth going back and shooting it properly the year after. So <laughs> that was something that was discovered when they were on location trying to film something else. Yeah, so, sometimes not quite a happy accident, but certainly a happy outcome when you're out, to, out filming. But... Well, you're always you're always listening, Jason. You're always keeping your ears open and your eyes open mm -hmm. for, for little bits of behaviour that you can see. Um, and sometimes you track it down on location. But sometimes it can just be a chance remark with a scientist at a conference that takes you in a different direction to a different location, perhaps. And that can open up all sorts of possibilities. So, you know, the... the, the it, it, it is difficult to come up with new stories, but a combination of lots of hard hard research, but also yes, just knowing people and talking to people that can throw up that can throw up different angles and new stories as well. And, and you've very much been David Attenborough's cameraman of choice for a number of projects over <laughs> the years. Well, you know, I actually met David in the Antarctic. I was working in the Antarctic as a diver and as a biologist, and I was doing a lot of stills photography, but I never actually picked up a movie camera. And then um, David Attenborough and uh, a small film crew turned up on our base. This is way back in, this is in January of 1981. And it fell to me to help David and his crew for the two days that they were in our base. And to cut a long story short, I just decided, or I was so enjoyed being in their company and, and watched what they were doing. And I thought, this camera person, this cameraman, he's doing all the things that I enjoy doing and more. And so I talked to them about how the business worked and they told me they were very generous with their advice that it was all freelance camera people. They pointed out that, that what, they, what they had thought uh, on meeting me was that here was someone that, that knew a lot about the Antarctic and as Ned, the producer, said to me one night, he said, I can I can phone a dozen people back in UK when I want to find out about elephants or African wildlife. But you're the first person, he said, talking to me, you're the first person who, who knows the Antarctic to the level that uh, that is useful. So it was a kind of hint that, you know, the knowledge that I had, the, the knowing how to manage in the cold, knowing about under-ice diving, knowing about penguins, all the sort of stuff that, that I had learned in my three years in the Antarctic, that was going to be useful. So I did pick up a movie camera shortly afterwards. I got a break. I got a chance to work for the British Antarctic Survey, but down on a station where we had access to emperor penguins. Now, the emperors, they're the big ones. They're the ones that uh, breed through the winter. Mm -hmm. So they're difficult to get footage of. Anyway, I bought a camera took some footage of them, sold that footage to the BBC, and, and that was where my career started. So, you know, I'm not quite, um, I, I do a great 
a great debt to David in a way, just happening to meet him at that stage in my life and somewhere where where well where he was somewhere where he had been for the very first time and he was very impressed by it and um it was just good timing all around i think mm-hmm. well i mean yeah th- three years up there a conversation and a 35 year career that's not bad going at all <laughs> and, and many a story to tell i mean you're going to tell moses on the night though one thing i will ask though i'm going to guess the cameras have got a lot lighter over the last 35 years well, funnily enough, they got lighter and then they got heavy again. <laughs> <laughs> we started off we started off on film and now we're obviously shooting electronically. The big difference is that when we started, when I started, you would go away on a shoot and you'd be away for a month and quite literally you never saw a single frame because there was no way to send the film back to get processed and get a report on it. Mm-hmm. Whereas now we can shoot it in the morning, look at it an hour later and then improve on it in the afternoon. <laughs> and that does make life a lot simpler, I have to say. Yeah, and you know whether you've really got what you think you've got because uh, lens caps can be a problem sometimes. <laughs> I've never done that, but I must admit, uh, it's nice to see it's in focus. Yeah, that does help. Well, Doug Allen, your wild images and wildlife is at the Stafford Gatehouse. It is Sunday, the 1st of December. 01785 619080 is the box office number. StaffordGatehouseTheatre.co.uk to get your tickets online. I, I, I don't think two hours is enough to cover it all, but I'm sure you'll get as much in as you as you can, and it'll be a great entertainment for everybody there. And great to, uh, to, to know the sort of background of some of those iconic scenes that we've seen on TV in so many great natural history programmes uh, across the last 35 years. Thank you for joining us. Have a great time on stage and we look forward to uh, maybe uh, not only this tour but a, a follow-up later on too. Oh, good be. Thanks a lot, Jason. Cheers. Try for now. pound fund offering thousands of people the chance to receive £1,000 each to boost community spirit in their hometown has been opened. To tell us more, I'm joined now by National Lottery Community Fund Director Ellie Dedecker. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon. How are you? I'm very well. I trust we find you well? I am very well as well. Good stuff. So, uh, tell us a bit about this fund because uh, £1,000 sounds like this could really make a massive boost to a community. Absolutely, we're hoping so. So you might know that we're in the midst of a whole program of activities and events to celebrate the 25th birthday of the National Lottery. So the first draw of the, night, uh, of the National Lottery happened on the 19th of November 1994. And since then, over £40 billion has been raised for projects in the arts, in sports, heritage 
and then also in the community. So obviously we want to celebrate all of this great work that has happened since then. And we want to thank the, the players of the National Lottery without whom all of this would not have been um, happening. So Celebrate National Lottery 25 is a special fund in the context of all these celebrations that has just been opened. And as you said, it's really about getting as many people as possible involved by applying for a £1,000 grant so that they can implement an activity, something in their local community that they think will make a difference. So what sort of things can be included and what can't be? Sure. So we're really open and flexible on this one. So we really want to hear from people. They can get creative. They can really think about what would make a difference to them in their community. So whether it's about an activity to get elderly people together, whether it's a special sort of uh, experience for young people, whether it's about a street party, we are very flexible and we really want to hear from people what they think will make a difference. In terms of the cost, again, it's really about what is required to make the activity happen, whether it's about hiring a venue, whether it's about buying some equipment, whether it's about arranging some transport. We're very, very flexible. Obviously, we will need to make sure that the activity gets people together and doesn't alienate anybody and that the money gets spent on what uh, it, it, what people uh, come to us for. But we're really, really flexible and, uh, and people should really get creative. So what sort of ideas have seemed most popular so far? Well, the fund is just really open two days ago. We've just yeah. received about 100 applications, so it's a bit early to tell. The fund is open until the 6th of December. And again, we're really expecting a really big mix um, a mix of things. We know from research that about 35% of us really think that we should spend more money on activities for the elderly. Another 35% think that young people should really get more activities, more stuff to do. And then another sort of 30% of us feel that we really should invest um, in making our green spaces a little bit better. So, so that's what people have told us as part of the research. But, you know, we've just started, so we're really keen to see what people come to us with. Now, successful applicants are going to be told in January. When are they expecting to have the events? Is there a timescale that they need to do that by? No, we're hoping, obviously, that this is something that is going to create a buzz at the moment. But again, we need to make sure that people feel that they have the right time to, to implement it so they can explain to us when they think that it would be the right time for this money to be spent. We should be able to let them know, though, by the end of January whether they have the funding or not. OK, so so what would you do, given a grant to your community to, to, to yeah. zuzz it up a bit? Yeah, so I really think that doing something really special for the young people, for the kids in the neighbourhood would be great, something that they might not really get the opportunity to do some uh, very often. So maybe take them somewhere really special so that they really feel that it's a special occasion. Um, I think that's something that I would want to, to okay. do. Well, that sounds good. So where can we go to find out more about this and put an application in? Okay, so all the information is on our website. It's celebratenationallottery25.com. It's a very simple online application form. It should take nobody more than 15 minutes to complete, so really simple. So we would urge as many people as possible to get together, think about what they want to do, and then go, go online and uh, get in touch. Well, Ellie Dedecker, the director at the National Lottery Community Fund, thank you for joining us and we're looking forward to some great events and parties throughout 2020 based on this fantastic 25th anniversary £1,000 funding. Thank you very much. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. Back with episode 545 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. 
Goodbye from the milk bar. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.